Canine Nation eBooks are now available. The first two volumes, Dogs As They Are and Teaching Dogs Effective Learning, are available in bookstores now. More on how you can get them at the end of this podcast. Welcome to Canine Nation Audio Edition. It's Monday, July 22nd, 2013. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life as a Human online magazine. Life as a Human features articles about what it means to be human, the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeasahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Canine Nation is about learning, understanding, and living successfully with our dogs. Modern animal training techniques based on behavioral science can produce amazing results in working with our dogs. Whether your dog is a loved family member or a working dog, a canine athlete, or a trusted companion, Positive training techniques based on science can help you enjoy a more productive and fun relationship with your dog. Join us as we explore the many facets of living with our dogs and taking a fresh look at how we work with them. Whether it's taking a closer look at everyday issues we share with our dogs or busting long-standing myths about training and dog behavior, I hope you find something useful in each of the Canine Nation articles. We're glad you're with us. Now here's this week's installment. Make training rewarding for you and your dog. A famous dog trainer once said, the only dog that doesn't behave is a dead dog. That's not a threat. It's a simple statement of fact. Our dogs are always making choices and acting on them, whether or not we choose to acknowledge that fact. Even when our dogs are not doing anything, perhaps waiting in a stay or a down, they are still actively refraining from doing other behaviors. They could be doing something else, but they don't. You might wonder how our dogs choose those different behaviors. Behavioral science defines two general categories of behavior. Respondent behaviors develop because an association with a particular situation or stimulus occurs. The fact that our dogs know to sit or come in response to those specific words is an example of respondent behavior. Operant behaviors develop because of cause and effect. Literally, the dog learns to repeat or not repeat a behavior based on what the response to that behavior is. We teach our puppies to sit by giving them a food treat when they put their butt on the floor. Since the food is something the puppy wants, it will make them more likely to sit again in hopes of getting another food treat. Respondent or classical conditioning is great for putting names to behaviors with our dogs. When we want our dog to lie down or come to us, we need some kind of unique signal that we want that specific behavior. When we've said sit enough times while our dog sits, an association forms and we have a cue or command. But in order to have behavior to put a name to, we have to teach the dog what sitting would look like. 
Operant conditioning works great for showing a dog that when they do a particular thing, they will either be rewarded or encouraged, or they will be punished or discouraged as a result. Rewarding the behaviors we want can help teach a dog remarkably quickly. To encourage a behavior, we want to provide rewards. But what exactly is a reward to our dogs? We might think we know, but it's really up to the dog. Does she like what I'm offering as a reward? Do I need to reward her every single time she performs the behavior? Once she knows what the behavior is, can I stop rewarding? Can I use different rewards and get the same results? Does it matter how quickly I provide those rewards? There seem to be many questions about rewards. Since rewards can have different effects on behaviors, science has created some detailed terminology to help us understand the mechanics of providing rewards. While we don't need to get into all the technical details, it's useful to understand some basics of reinforcement mechanics when working with our dogs. Reinforcement rate schedules are concerned with when we reward the dog. Do we do it every time they give us the desired behavior correctly, or do we skip some behaviors before rewarding again? Differential schedules are concerned with why we reward the dog. Did they do the behavior as required to earn it? Did they do it fast enough? Did they do it long enough? We reward or not based on the criteria that we set for a particular behavior. Using that process of did they do it right or differential reinforcement and do I reward it this time, the reinforcement rate, we can encourage or train a behavior. How well that behavior is learned or how quickly will depend on how we apply those two factors. People seem to want to get away from consistently rewarding their dog for behaviors. It's a common debate in dog training whether it is more effective to provide a continuous rate of reinforcement, rewarding every behavior when it's performed, or an intermittent rate of reinforcement, rewarding only some of the cases when the behavior is performed correctly. One of the analogies used by dog trainers to describe this situation compares a slot machine, which only pays off at random intervals, to a soda pop machine, which delivers every time money is deposited. Some trainers suggest that intermittent schedules will create more durable or persistent behaviors like addicting slot machines would, but that's not necessarily true. Although results from psychology labs have shown intermittent reinforcement to produce faster and more persistent behavior with some pigeons and rats in various studies, these results don't necessarily translate to our work with our dogs. Often, the animals used in these studies have strictly controlled diets, which would make them much more committed to getting food rewards than the average dog. What the studies don't consider when looking at intermittent versus continuous reinforcement schedules is the dependability of the person delivering the rewards. Do we consider whether humans trust soda pop machines more than they trust slot machines? The fact is, not everyone will use a slot machine. I don't play slot machines myself, because I don't find the potential rewards are worth taking the risk of spending my money. I'm certain that there are dogs out there making the same choice. If your intermittent reinforcement is too intermittent, 
it becomes too risky and your dog may stop wanting to respond. By definition, intermittent reinforcement means that sometimes we will provide no reward at all in response to our dog giving us the correct behavior. That would mean no praise, no petting, no acknowledgement for having done the behavior. But is this really what dog owners do? I don't think so. World-renowned animal trainer Bob Bailey is fond of saying, Pavlov is always on our shoulder when talking about animal training. And this is a case where respondent or classical conditioning, which was pioneered by Pavlov, is working in the background whether we realize it or not. Our dogs are always forming associations, both favorable and unfavorable, to various things in their environment. One example of this is the PREMAC principle. In 1959, psychologist David Premack showed that performing a more familiar behavior, and therefore more often rewarded, can act as a reinforcer for a less familiar behavior. The opportunity to perform the familiar behavior had some value to the subjects in the experiments. The reinforcing properties of those familiar behaviors came about because of the association the subjects had made with being rewarded for those behaviors in the past. The same kinds of associations can be created with things like saying, good dog, or throwing a toy for our dog, or even physical affection. If we pair those things with regular rewards like food, they can take on rewarding values of their own. If rate schedules are when we reward, and differential schedules are why we reward our dog, then the relative values of these rewards that we use to work with our dogs will affect how much we reinforce each behavior each time we deliver a reward. This is where things can get tricky. Not every dog values the same things in the same way. Some dogs may prefer the taste of chicken to the taste of liver and vice versa. Some dogs may enjoy chasing a ball where others just don't care. To complicate matters, the number of times we use neutral things like saying good dog or petting our dog in conjunction with food can cause these actions to take on a value themselves. How much value they take on can only be determined by watching your dog's reaction to them. Generally, the more you pair a neutral thing with a high-value reward, the greater value that previous neutral thing will take on. The reason good dog works so well for most people is that it is almost a reflex for us to praise our dog as we deliver a treat. We do it so often that we are mostly unaware of it. The danger is that we mistakenly think that the words themselves have some intrinsic value. They don't. It's only because they have been associated with other high-value rewards in the past that they have any value at all. If we stop pairing good dog with the high-value treat, over time the words by themselves will start to lose their value and become less effective. In working with our dogs, we have two things to do. First, we have to teach them the behaviors we want, and then we have to maintain their understanding and willingness to perform those behaviors. Using rewards of various kinds can be tremendously useful in doing both of these things, but using rewards effectively can be tricky. There are practical aspects, like not always having food with us, and also understanding when to use which kind of reinforcement 
for the particular job at hand. In our home, we have some simple guidelines in our training to help us make good choices. The consistency of our rewards depends on how well our dogs know the behavior. New behaviors, or behaviors that are being refreshed, get consistent reinforcement each time the behavior is offered. More practiced and well-known behaviors can get more intermittent rewards, but always with an eye toward making sure we are maintaining the level of performance we want. Decreasing performance means we need to increase our reinforcement rate. For reward values, it's similar to what we do with our rate of rewards. We use the highest value rewards for the least familiar behaviors. When teaching something new or refreshing a slacking behavior, we use rewards that our dogs love the most. Coupling the high value with the high rate of reinforcement gives us the best results. We reserve those associated or conditioned rewards for well-practiced, well-known behaviors. The combination of our rate of rewards and the value of the rewards we offer is adjusted based on what we are doing with our dogs. A lower rate of reward with a higher value reward can produce good results. A higher rate of reward with a lower value reward can also produce good results. Of course, the high rate of reward used with a high value reward produces the strongest results. And this is where the art of behavioral science comes into play. No two dogs will respond to the reward schedule and value in exactly the same way. The best trainers know their dogs. They understand what their dog values and what rates of reinforcement are needed for different levels of behavior. A good understanding of the mechanics of reinforcement can help you be a more effective trainer, but only if you are willing to see how your dog is responding to your rewards. Many people mistakenly believe their dog should work a certain way, like training without food or just for verbal praise. Our dogs work the way they work, and it's up to us to discover how best to work with our own dogs. Training each dog is an adventure in itself. Using the science can make us all better trainers. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. Teaching Dogs Effective Learning is the second Canine Nation ebook to be released. It is a collection of essays from the Life as a Human online magazine on how we train and teach our dogs and what we can learn in the process. The book includes introductory notes for each essay, as well as two essays written specifically for this book. Also available is the first Canine Nation ebook, Dogs as They Are, a look at what our dogs are, where they have come from, and how they adapt to our lives. Both books are available in the Canine Nation store in Kindle format, EPUB format for iPads, Kobo, Nook, and other e-readers, or a special PDF edition formatted for instructors that includes licensing for reprints for students. Just go to caninenation.ca and click on the store link at the top of the page. You can also find Canine Nation eBooks in the Amazon store, on Apple iTunes, at booktango.com, and other online booksellers. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership 
and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.